functions that we've got, I think I've been praying and just believe it's extremely important that we as a community um, come together with a correct understanding and a unified understanding of what those things mean for us right now in the season that we're in because a lot has been released um, in the past two weeks. And as I was praying about it um, over the things that have been spoken and uh, released here through many in the body, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me some direction for what that means for us in this time. Um, so I just I want to release that today. Um, and there's, yeah, I got two pages here, so oh, like a page and a half. So, <laughs> whew. Um, but don't worry, it won't be too long. <laughs> Jay just laughs. <laughs> Um, I want to just dive back in real quick to just review what's been said. What have we heard over the past two weeks specifically? I know we've had a lot of prophetic release over the past several months, but in the past two weeks, there's been such specific direction that the Spirit has released, and it's pretty amazing um, some of the confirmation that has come after those words were released here. So uh, during worship two weeks back, if you remember when Dan Lee was here, as we were worshiping, there was a sense that the dam was breaking, the wall was beginning to crack, and the water was about to burst through, so we paused to push through with whatever the Spirit was doing in the supernatural realm. If you remember that, we took time to stop, and people moved around because we felt the need to push. What are we doing? What are we breaking into? Then Kale came up with a word, and he began to release a word that it's a season of birthing, the season of birthing, and he began to release a word of pushing and birthing and was prophetically exhorting the body to birth and to push repeatedly and to not give up when feeling pain, but to keep pushing. That was a very specific directive. If you remember, he was even on his knees here saying, push, we're birthing, 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 push, birthing. And then Kristen came up soon after with a prophetic song. I can see the baby crowning. I can see the dam is breaking. We as one body pushing, pushing, pushing. A song of the Lord that came consecutively. Okay, there was just this, okay, release of clarity that this is a season that we're in. We need to push, right? With a baby's crowning. Days after that happened in this family, there were two prophetic words that were posted on Facebook, and the only reason why I saw them was because of Kale and Bobby tagging, and I don't know how they see all these things, but I'm thankful that they do. The first one was from Ryan Lestrange. He's a prophetic voice out of Atlanta, Georgia. I looked him up. I don't know too much about him, but it looks like he has a solid ministry. doesn't really matter to me totally in that he was hearing the same exact thing, and I just want to read what he posted days after we met, okay? He wrote, when you are birthing, all caps, when you're birthing something new, there will be birthing pains. Stay in position. Don't hinder the process. The push today is about the assignment tomorrow. The push today is about the assignment tomorrow. So I'm thinking, okay, whoa, that was birthing pushing, we're breaking into something, this is what the Lord is doing. Days later, a more, even more prominent prophetic voice that I, well, I guess more prominent to me, I knew them more, Lana Vosser from the Elijah List, 
It's been a prophetic voice over the, the nation. If you don't know, the Elijah list is a, common, a compilation of many prophetic voices that have been uh, attested to, and they release words as, as the, Lord, the Spirit gives it to them. Listen to what she wrote days after, a week, within the week after we had that Sunday. She said, I hear the Lord say, from boulders to birthing, pray and push this week. Today I heard the Lord say, from boulders to birthing, and then suddenly I saw this week highlighted. As I leaned in to inquire what the Lord was saying, I heard these words. Many have been feeling like they are continually coming up against boulders that are blocking the breakthrough. It feels like no matter how much they have prayed, they have stood, they've sought me, the boulders have not moved. Impossibility of seeing these boulders moved has been screaming at many of my people, but I say unto these ones, this week, pray and push, pray and push, pray and push, for as you pray and push this week, these boulders will be removed and there will be an acceleration of birthing. Can you hear the sound of birthing, my people? Listen not to the taunts of the boulders. Listen not to the taunts of the impossibilities, but arise and stand. Arise and push in prayer this week and watch the greatest blockages to the birthings that I've been speaking to you be removed. I then began to hear the sound of mighty rushing waters in the spirit. It wasn't a trickle. It was a loud bang and then a bursting forth of mighty rushing waters. And I heard the Lord say, can you hear it? Listen, listen. The waters are breaking. The waters are breaking. The birth is here. The time has arrived for here is the fullness of time for the waters to flow, to release the birthing of what I've spoken. Here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. No delay, the appointed time, here it comes. It has arrived, the appointed time. Pray and push, pray and push, pray and push. Set yourself apart in ferocious focus upon what I've said this week. The boulders will start to shake as you intercede. The boulders will start to shake as you fast. The boulders will start to shake as you pray. And suddenly, the birthing will come forth. There will be signs in the natural of the boulders being broken, the hindrance removed, the blockage will be no more. This week, there will not only be major breakthroughs and deliverances for many, I'm going to deal with the boulders and deal with them all. The breaking of these boulders will signal the shift of the outpouring of my spirit within you and through you and in your life in greater ways to bring forth what I've promised, what I've spoken. You will hear my voice like the sound of mighty rushing waters. Here it comes, here it comes. Prepare yourself in consecration and flint like focus upon me. Pray and push, pray and push. Here comes the sound of new life. Here comes the sound of the new. Here comes the sound of breakthrough. Pray and push, pray and push, pray and push. Okay. Guys, this is not coincidence. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't believe in coincidence here. It's the spirit of the living God speaking the same message in three different places in the world, and I'm sure many more. These were just 
randomly online within days of each other that, that we saw that the same word that he had spoken here is being spoken in other places in the church, that the dam is breaking, the water is about to rush forth, the baby is crowning, the appointed time is here, pray and push. Now's not the time to back up or back away or take a break, right? Very clear. And then last week, we had a time of pushing through with testimony and declaration as we had a line of people here, if you remember, testifying of breakthrough and what God has done in their lives and then taking authority over those strongholds in the land. No coincidence that Jim is here today as last week, two people stood up here and took authority over cancer, testified of being healed miraculously from cancer, took authority over cancer in the region, and Jim shows up for prayer for cancer today. Guys, that's not a coincidence. There are spiritual things happening as we pray. Breakthrough is coming into the spiritual realm and hope is coming to people and God is drawing people in because he's going to do signs and wonders in the earth. That's the time that we're in right now. That's pushing and praying resulting in breakthrough. And all this is just the beginning. I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard two major events this week. What's the number one? Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Woo! Come on. Roe v. Wade has been overturned 50 years. 50 years, 20 plus years of intense intercession specifically for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. If you remember, Jesus, I'm sure you all prayed this prayer, Jesus, I plead your blood over my sins and the sins of my nation. God, end abortion and send revival to America. That was the prayer that was constantly being released over 20 plus years. End abortion, send revival. End abortion, send revival. End abortion, send revival. Well, what just happened this week? Roe v. Wade was overturned. Revival is here. Number two, I don't know how many of you heard about this, but Pornhub, a massive online platform that is horribly evil. There's been uh, lawsuits coming out. They've been exposed. God's been shining a light on them for the past year. Well, this, this week, same week, this week, the CEO and the COO have both resigned. The site is crumbling under lawsuits, and there'll be a major layoff in the company as well. There was tra child trafficking, sex trafficking, rape videos, incest, horrible, horrible things online on this site that had been hidden in darkness for decades upon decades, and it was exposed within the past year, and now the CEO and the COO have both resigned, and the site's crumbling. What is God? God is doing something in the earth. This is no coincidence. Something is happening in the earth. These breakthroughs are causing the righteous to rejoice. The righteous are rejoicing. But you also, I'm sure you've seen, those who do not know God are reviling. 
And this is going to be more and more in the days ahead as laws are overturned, as the kingdoms of the enemy are crumbling, the righteous will rejoice, but there will be an upkick of reviling from those who are, do not know the Lord. Be ready. Get ready. And you've heard me, you probably remember hearing me say this a couple of times in the past month. We're on the brink of this breakthrough, believing it's here. It's already trickling through. We're seeing these massive movements happen, right? The enemy is not going to just roll over and let us have revival. There will be this uh, last-ditch effort was the phrase that I kept hearing. The last-ditch effort of the enemy to try to get people in the body to give up before revival comes. To give in to the lies of the enemy, to quit, to take a break, to give in to comfort. Especially with the upkick of reviling that's coming from the world. To say, I'm going to back, take a step back and take a step back because I don't want to be on the forefront of being reviled. Th th that these are some, just some of the tactics of the enemy to push back against the people of God to, to try to cause any. He doesn't fight fair. He does not fight fair. He wants to get any, as soon as he can, picked off before this thing comes. Get ready. Pay attention. And then the Lord gave me this scripture as I've been seeing all this and praying this and saying holy smokes oh my goodness we're we're here oh my goodness we're here I mean just thinking about the turning of Roe v. Wade brings me to tears every single time I think about it how many of us stood and prayed and put life tape over our faces for the uh, this overturning and for years Years without knowing when it was going to happen. Pushing, pushing, pushing. And in a moment, it gets overturned and this wave is coming. Whew. That's serious, guys. <laughs> Exciting and serious. And I felt like the Lord gave me the scripture in 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. Now, I'm going to kind of give a recap, but if you want to look at those chapters throughout this week to just kind of read through some of, of the analogies here that I believe that the Lord is giving some insight into the time that we're living in right now. But in 2 Kings 18 and 19, it's a, a story about Hezekiah, who was a king in Judah, king over Judah. He became king when he was 25 years old, and he was king for 29 years. And it says in, in, in 2 Kings 18 that he was a righteous king and that he went to all the high places and he tore them down. He tore down the idols and he even, he even broke into pieces. Remember how Moses made that, had that serpent made of uh, silver or stone or whatever it was made of, I can't remember. And he broke that into pieces. Wow, was, I mean, that was, Moses, that was a testimony of God's greatness for uh, e uh, Israel's deliverance. He did it because Israel had made it a god and started to worship it. That's a key, too. Don't make <laughs> forms into gods. Those things break. It doesn't matter if it was used as a, a move of God in the past to bring deliverance. We're not making it idols. Those things will break, and he broke it. So Hezekiah, had, he was clear in his heart. He didn't have any qualms about breaking the staff that Moses had. 
Well, others might have been like, well, we need to honor that. No, we need to keep that. He's like, nope, it's become an idol. Crash. Broken. And it says in 18 that, that there was no other king before him or after him in Judah who trusted God like he did. That's a pretty big statement. No other king before him or after him that trusted God like he did. And there was a king in Assyria who was an a, a horrible king, very evil. And Hezekiah was the only one, one of the only ones to stand up to him and rebelled against him and said, I'm not going to serve you. In Hezekiah's sixth year as king, I'm just giving a recap of where we're going to end in the story or read. In he when Hezekiah was in his sixth year of reigning as king, Assyria took Israel captive. In Hezekiah's 14th year, 14th year, eight years later, the king of Assyria comes against him and seizes all the fortified cities in Judah. And Hezekiah comes out, and you can tell he's pretty nervous. I mean, I'm, it says the Bible doesn't say that. I'm guessing because he says, I've done wrong. He says to the king of Assyria, I've done wrong. How, what can I do to make this right? And the, the king of Assyria says, give me all this money, 300 whatever and so Hezekiah goes to the temple and he strips it of the gold and the silver and he gives it to the king of Assyria. So he must have been pretty nervous. And that was not a great decision. And he gives it to him. Well, you can't fight a battle like that with natural things. Giving money is not going to appease the enemy. Days later, the king of Assyria comes back and starts to uh, come against Hezekiah just days later. And so we're going to start in chapter 18, verse 18. And I'm going to read a chunk here because it's really important. So this is just after he's paid them back and, and days later the king's back at him saying, okay, I'm going to take over. And when they called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household. Okay, I don't need to read all those names. Then Rabshakeh said to him, say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what is this confidence that you have? You say, but they are only empty words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom do you rely that you have rebelled against me? Now behold, you rely on the staff of this crushed reed, even on Egypt, on which a, if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who rely on him? But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall, you shall worship before this altar in Jeru Jerusalem? Now therefore come, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. Again, they're, they're mocking him and they're hassling him and they're saying, come make a bargain with Assyria, and they probably did that because he had just paid them a lot of money, thinking this is his weak spot. Maybe they'll just make a bargain again. Come make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to set riders on them. How then can you repulse one official or the least of my master's servants and rely on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord's approval against this place to destroy it? Wow, the enemy is saying the Lord has sent him to destroy it. 
The Lord said to me, this is the enemy, the Lord said to me, go up against the land and destroy it. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, the Shebna, blah, blah, all the names, speak now to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it, and do not speak with us in Judean in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. So these, the enemy was speaking in Judean so everyone could hear and understand what they were saying, the mocking and the, the hassling and the coming against. And they said, the the people on Hezekiah from Judah, they said, speak to us in Aramaic. But the guy says to them, has my master sent me only to your master and to you who speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall doomed to eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you? Again, mocking, pressuring. Then Rashakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in Judea and saying, hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus, says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you from my hand, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me, and come out to me, and eat each of his vine, and each of his fig tree, and drink each of his waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered this land from the hand of king of Assyria? So, guys, this is a massive mocking. He's saying to them, you better get ready. King of Assyria demolishes everyone who comes his way. It's lies. He's just throwing lies. You're about to eat your dung and drink your own urine. Hey, it's better. Instead of just being crushed, come and we'll give you food. We'll give you new wine. We'll give you protection if you come with us now. Don't, don't be deceived by this Hezekiah who says the Lord's going to deliver you. Lots of mocking. Where are the gods who, um, let me see here. And in verse 36, it says, but the people were silent and answered him not a word for the king's commandment was do not answer him. And they came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words that had been spoken to them. And then I'm going to, I know this is a lot of scripture, but I want to read parts of this again. Okay, 19. Just going to go to verse 7. And when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, uh, with Shebna the scribe and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection. For children have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah. Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you've heard with which the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land. I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. 
Now this is, uh, we're going to be going on even uh, a few more verses here, but this is a picture, I think, of the enemy's last-ditch effort that's going to come against the people of God in this hour, and it's going to come in the form of mocking, reviling, lies, causing doubt or unbelief, which is exactly what the king of Assyria's men did. They said, don't trust that the Lord will deliver you. Don't believe. We have, we've won every war. There's this intimidation factor. Oh, think of how long you've believed for that. Think of how long you've stood for that. Did God ever come through for you? Has he come through for you? Yet the mocking, the lies, the stirring of doubt and unbelief, that is the enemy's, I believe, what the Lord was showing me through this passage is that there will be a last-ditch effort by the enemy against the church, and it's going to come in this form. And Hezekiah's first response was not a godly response to offer money and to say, let me bargain with you. You can't bargain with the enemy. You can't fight a spiritual war with natural forces or ways. You can't. It will not work. He gave money, and the king was back two days later saying, I'm going to demolish you. And Hezekiah's second response, which is what we just read, Hezekiah's second response, he tore his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord, and he prayed. That was his second response to the reviling of the enemy. And he said, Lord, will you not... Will you not deliver us from our enemy? Will you not deliver us? The child is about to birth, like the baby's crowning, and there's no one to deliver. That's what Hezekiah said. He rent his clothes and said, the baby's about to come, and there's no one to deliver. Lord, won't you deliver? Won't you bring this child forth? And the Lord responds to him and says, I will, I will, I will. And I will make that king even turn on his own self, hear a rumor, and kill, be killed in his own land. And even as he stood in this, they came to fight against him. And they tried to deceive him. I'm just going to read this. They kept going after him with deception. Verses 10 through 13 of, of 19, it says, Thus you shall say to Hezekiah, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you. God's deceiving. They're, they're saying God's deceiving you. What a lie, right? But it's sneaky. It's sneaky. It's intimidation. It's mocking. Don't let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of king of Syria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Syria have done to all the lands, destroying them completely. So will you be spared? Basically, God didn't deliver anyone else. Why would he deliver you? Hey, pretty big intimidation. It's fact. It's literally what had happened. Did the gods of those nations which my father destroyed deliver them? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad? He's just naming. Well, I, it doesn't matter. Their gods couldn't deliver them. Yours will not be able to deliver you. 
Hey, he's not just mocking Hezekiah, he's mocking king over all the earth. And I think as the children of God, if we stand in that fact that we're in Christ and anyone that comes to mock the living God and what his promises have been, they're mocking the living God. They're not just mocking us, they're mocking the living God and he will arise and cause his enemies to be scattered and we can stand in that truth, that that is who our God is. He fights for us. He fights for us. I know I've read a lot of scripture. (laughs) Just listen to Hezekiah's prayer, a part of it, in 19. In uh, verse 15, it says, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are God, you alone. Of all the the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to the words of these men, which has has been sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the king of Assyria has devastated the nations and their lands. He's saying it's fact. What they're saying is true. They have devastated all the lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but they were the work of men's hands, wood and stone, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hand that all the kings of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. And then listen what God says. This is our God, all right? This is the answer of God, and this is our God. He says, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because you have prayed to me, I have heard you. And this is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. She has despised you and mocked you. The virgin daughter of Zion, she has shaken her head behind you. The daughter of Jerusalem, who have you? Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? And against whom have you raised your voice and haughtily lifted up your eyes against the Holy One of Israel? Through your messengers you have reproached the Lord and you have said with many chariots, I came to the heights of the mountains, to the remotest parts of Lebanon, and I cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypresses. I dug wells, I drank foreign waters, and with the sole of my feet I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago I did it. From ancient times I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you should turn fortified cities into ruinous heaps. Therefore their inhabitants were short of strength. God's basically saying the only reason why you conquered those places was because I planned it before time began. It had nothing to do with your strength. I am the one who was before and I'm the one who was after. But I know, in verse 27, I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. Because of your raging against me and because your arrogance has come up to my ears, therefore I'll put my hook in your nose and my bridle in your lips and I will turn you back the way which you came. Then this shall be a sign to you. You will eat this year what grows of itself and the second year what springs from it and the third year sow, reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. The surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. This is the promise of the Lord. 
He's saying that he is going to push back the enemy. He's going to deliver what he's promised. And the roots of his people are going to go down deep and their fruit is going to bear upward. That's a great promise. And that's what he's been speaking over us. That this is the time of bearing fruit. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant and out of Mount Zion survivors, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. Thus says the Lord concerning the king of, this, of Assyria. He will not come to this city or shoot an arrow, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, by that same way he will return, and he shall not come to this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. It didn't even take an army. It took an angel of the Lord, which many theologians believe the angel of the Lord was Jesus. Whew, so Jesus goes into the enemy's camp by himself, or the angel of the Lord if you don't believe it's Jesus, and he slays 185,000 enemies of his people so that they turn back and leave them alone and there's, they have the victory. Now this is the picture that I believe that God is speaking for us as a community that we need to stand and remind ourselves who our God is and that any mocking or any lies or anything that's trying to get you to sit back, push back, retreat is a lie from the enemy. When, he's, when, when any word comes to you that says God will not deliver his promise, any thought in your mind, any feeling in your body, that is not belonging to the spirit of God and can be rebuked because it can't stand against the living God. He is going to fulfill his promises. Be ready for the pushback of the enemy and stand. Stand. The Bible says resist the enemy and he will flee from you. We don't flee from the enemy when he's coming. We resist the enemy and he will flee from us. Because we have the spirit of the living God inside of us and God is about to pour out his spirit without measure in the earth like no other time in history and we're at the brink of that. And this means there's some warfare push that needs to happen. Isaiah 66, 7 to 9, this is the truth. I felt like the Lord was saying with all those lies this is the truth about what, who I am and what I say I will do. Isaiah 66, verses 7 to 9. He says, Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she gave birth to a boy. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such thing? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. Now, this is the point that I felt like he highlighted. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not deliver? That's exactly what Hezekiah rent his clothes before the Lord and said, we are at the point of birth and there's no one to deliver. God, will you deliver? 
God, will you deliver? And God is saying, shall I bring to the point of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Or shall I, I who gives delivery shut the womb, says your God? If the baby is crowning, God is not going to shut the womb. He's not going to say, nope, go back in. He is the God who delivers. Shall I bring to the point of birth? He was the one who brings every promise to the point of birth. Will he not bring it to fulfillment? Will he not bring it to its fullness? He will, says the Lord. He will, says the Lord. It's very important for us to realize I'm coming to a close now. I wore my watch for a reason so I could check. But this is uh, the re there was an analogy given for a reason. And even those other prophetic voices online, and even in Hezekiah and in Isaiah, the analogy of birthing is very specific for a reason. And there's a couple of things I was, as I was meditating and pondering on this that I think are important for us today. That if we see the head of a baby crowning, which was a word released here, that that's where we're at. The baby is crowning. That means a lot of things in the natural realm that can give us insight into the spirit. Okay? And you can study it more on your own. These were just a couple of things that I came, that I thought of off the top of my head. The baby's crowning, that means something was conceived months ago. And in the spirit realm, years. Could be years, decades, because time is not a thing before God, right? But it means something was conceived and has been growing. Your prayers, every prayer, every prophecy, every unction, every dream has been the, the, uh, the birth, the forming of this baby, the preparation of this baby to the point of its crowning. Every single part. There's already been some labor that has happened. Anyone that's given birth, I haven't yet, but anyone that has knows that there's a lot of, can be a lot of labor before the baby crowns. And labor pains. And I think as a community, we know that we've been pushing and pushing, and it's felt like a labor at times to push through. We're pushing through to break through. You might be doing that individually or in your family, and we've been doing it as a community as well, that there's been labor that's been happening. We are at the most crucial point of birthing. When the baby's head is crowning, you are at the most crucial point of birthing. You can't give up or back down or let up. I've been reading this book someone gave me called Mama Natural. And it's not a Christian book. It's just, anyway, this woman's story. And she talks about her first uh, pregnancy. She was giving birth for like, she was in labor for, I don't know, 48 hours. It was absurd. I'm like, Lord Jesus, no. Anyway, she said she got to a point of such exhaustion from pushing that she had the thought, I'm just going to go to sleep and remain, uh, and uh, continue pushing in the morning. You can't do that, right? You can't just like, oh, I'm going to just go take a nap because I'm so tired and I'll just, when I wake up refreshed, I'll start pushing. You can't do that. You can't do that. And that's this, that's so similar in the spirit when I'm thinking of the pushing of the promise of God. 
the temptation is to say, I just am going to back up and relax because I'm tired. Right? Is that, has that not been, I don't know about you, but I've had the temptation to say, I need a break. I need a break. Now is not the time for break. The baby is crowning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure and pain happening right around the time of crowning, and sometimes it's called the ring of fire. Wow, is that not spiritual? <laughs> the ring of fire. Because of the pain and the burning of that pushing. Guys, don't be unaware that this isn't some just easy, oh, we're just going to push and go. We do have the strength of the Lord, but there is some push that we have to do. There is some uh, actual movement that we have to do and commit to. Once your baby's crowning, generally it's just one or two contractions away from being completely delivered. Hey, good news, we're very close, very close. And once that baby comes out, we need to be prepared to house, feed, clothe, etc. Have we made room in our lives for this promise, individually and corporately? Have you made room? Have you made room? We have to make room. Because it's once this promise comes of revival and outpouring of the Spirit, it requires selflessness. It will require time and energy, not just from one or two of us in the body. We're all pushing together, and we will all take care of this promise together and be stewards of the presence and promise and revival of God in this region. And so I, I want to leave you with this because I believe this is where we're at as a body. You can see it in the earth. The Spirit's releasing it. Things are happening. Things are breaking, breaking open. Have you made room? Have you made room for this promise to come as an individual and in your family? How are you getting prepared? How are you getting prepared for this promise to come? Are you connecting more or less with the body? Because I, I, I can tell you this, you start to back away, you're going to connect less and less. You're retreating. And it, it's like the word that Bert brought weeks ago, and he said, now's the time for more, more community, more gathering, more fellowship, more depth of relationship. And I believe that was a word for now because there's something coming, and we need depth of relationship to steward it well together because it will not be one or two of us. We, we can't. The one or two of us can't do that. It will take every person in this family to help steward the promise that is about to come. So how are you getting ready for that? We've got to be ready, especially if the baby is crowning. 
And we've been getting prepared for a while. There's been a lot that we've been doing. So don't think like, oh, man, I've done nothing. No, we've done a lot. We've done a lot to be being prepared. But I believe that there is a, a, a call of the Spirit right now to say, are you ready? And what else needs to come into alignment? What else needs to come into alignment in your personal life, in your family life, and in community here? so that we can bring this thing to fruition. And guys, it's going to be the joy that's coming, the joy that's coming. Guys, <laughs> there's joy coming, great, great joy. Do not let the enemy lie to you saying anything otherwise. There is great joy coming, and it's here. And so just the couple of things. How are you getting prepared for this? How are you ordering your life? Are you making room? And then also be watchful. Be on alert. Our enemy is prowling around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's why also connection in the body is so important. Because we link arms with one another and say, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. When I can't hear the truth or I can't recognize what's truth, hey, you better be telling me what's truth and vice versa. That's what we're here for, to link arms with one another and move together as a body into the fullness, into the promise. Amen? Amen. Well, let's just pray. Let's stand and pray. Yeah? Last week we talked about finances and, and being more of a giver. And so as I l released that word last week, this week, just this week, $1,600 came in more than I had la the week. <laughs> hey, that is amazing. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've heard multiple stories like that. I'll let people share when you want to share, but there's been stories of that this week of increased financial provision. Last week, we, we touched very strongly on tithe and offering again from the word from Dan Lee and how we need to give the fullness of what's the Lord's to the Lord and the blessing will come. And I've heard multiple stories this week already of how the Lord touched people's lives and then there was multiplication like crazy on the finances. So excited to hear these testimonies. This is what God is doing, right? This is who he is. We say yes to him. He pours it out. So Father, we just thank you so much that you have invited us into this journey, God, that you have chosen this community of believers to partner with you to release what you're doing in the earth, in Maine, in this community. We thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving insight into the time that we're living in now. And Father, I pray great grace over my brothers and sisters in this room right now. Great grace to remain. Great grace to stand. Great grace to recognize lies from truth. Great grace as we push and push and push 
to see that breakthrough. Great grace, strength right now in Jesus' name. I just pray a refreshing strength over this family in Jesus' name. Strength over the spirit. Strength over the mind. Strength over the body in Jesus' name. Be strengthened by the power of the spirit in your inner man to stand in this hour. Father, I pray fresh vision over my brothers and sisters, a release of dreams in the night and visions in the day of what you're doing in this hour. Release it like a wind in this body in Jesus' name. From the youngest to the oldest, we thank you for dreams in the night and visions in the day. God, that you would be giving us more and more insight into what you're doing in the world today so that we can partner with you. We thank you for it, God. I pray for strength to say yes again, to say yes again, to say yes again to all that you're doing. We thank you for it, God, no matter what the cost, no matter what the cost Prepare us, Father, no matter what the cost, that we would stand in this hour to watch <laughs> watch and partner with you for the outpouring of your spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're a God on your throne who hears and answers prayer. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for tearing down Pornhub as an internet set. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are enthroned in heaven. Just like Hezekiah prayed, we declare you're God enthroned in heaven. And you do what you please. And we thank you for your goodness being displayed in the earth. Strengthen your people to stand. Strengthen your people to stand when we're reviled. Strengthen your people to respond in love when we're reviled to bless. Strengthen your people in this hour in Jesus' name. Thank you for the great harvest that's about to come in, flooding into these doors. Thank you, God. Thank you for a harvest of souls. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Do you have something, Phil? No? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God.